Good morning. I'm still reflecting on the children's moment. That was a beautiful <laughs> experience for me. And uh, Cheryl and I are so grateful uh, to have served five years in the South Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church. That's a very special group of folks to us and very similar to the Alabama West Florida Conference that we are in here. And with that five-year term of service, which was four years extended one year by the COVID uh, experience, we're now glad uh, to get to be back here. And uh, we thank you for the privilege of being here. I want to thank uh, Dr. Jay Cooper for the invitation to be a part of this World Communion Sunday service. It is a very special time in the life of the world, churches around the world, and so it's very significant. Also grateful to be with Jay because I remember so very well his outstanding leadership as an associate pastor on this staff when he was making the transition from a business world, uh, feeling God's call, going to seminary, uh, working on the staff of the church, but driving back and forth to seminary in Atlanta several round trips a week. And I saw him immerse himself in the, the scholarship opportunities for study and growth and development. And now to see all of that leadership flourishing and flowering here is a, a great, great, wonderful blessing. Appreciate the privilege of being a part of, um, uh, with you today because you as a congregation uh, have accomplished so much during the global pandemic. Uh, you have continued breaking new ground. You've continued serving the river region in life-giving ways, and we recognize that and celebrate that. And now you're intentionally preparing for a great future through the work being done on the buildings and grounds. So this is an exciting time to be a part of the life and ministry of First United Methodist Church, and I commend all who are making that choice to do that. And, and on top of that, it's World Communion Sunday. So I invite you to bear that in mind as we hear this reading from Ephesians chapter 2, as Paul says to the church in Ephesus, You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived. Remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, putting to death our hostility. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you're no longer strangers and aliens, you're citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Every time I read this passage, I can't help but say to myself, what a wonderful world. When you tell me a story like this, and it will rev my engines every time because I know the background and you do too. You know that this is talking about a very real situation that existed 2,000 years ago where everything was okay as long as everybody stayed in their place. 
and didn't uh, get out of line or out of order. And yet here we're reading, I'm amazed they allowed this to be published even. Here we're reading about Gentiles, Christians, and Jewish Christians, Gentiles and Jews who've been raised in all kind of cultural prejudices against each other. And can it be true that we're reading that the Gentiles who, as Paul says, you were far away from God, you had no hope in the world, Jesus came and preached peace to you. And then the, the Jewish Christians, because of Judaism, they were close to God. But you, you, your peace was preached to you as well. And now both groups have come together. Listen, let me ask you this. Have you ever tried to bring together warring factions? Tell the truth now. When you've been making up your guest list for different things, haven't you had to think sometimes about, I don't know who sits beside this. It could be really important here now. Remember the backstory on and so to read, surely the sociologist in you is fascinated and wants to know more. You mean, did they have a consultant? Did they have groups? Did they teach tolerance theory? What did they do? And you learned that it was Jesus Christ. And you learned that, that they came to understand that while we do have a lot of hostility, remember that passage, the dividing walls of hostility? We can fill in the blanks in our own day and time easily enough. But that hostility has come down, and we didn't bring it down. That they came to this understanding of the cross that when Jesus died on the cross, he took hostility to death with him also. Racism, sexism, ageism, hatred, violence, all the kinds of walls that separate and divide people dies on the cross with Jesus. And a new life is now possible. And they got that 2,000 years ago. And yet they knew the gravitational pull of all the forces around them was such that we tend to rebuild the walls that Christ pulls down. So you know what they did? They came up with this idea that when we come together for worship, we need to do this very passage of Scripture every time we worship. We need to organize worship around what Paul is teaching here. So here's what they did. Worship is not saying, well, let's just pick some favorite songs to sing and better have a prayer in there and... Guess we've got to have a sermon somewhere and maybe take the offering and call that worship. But what they did worship was they said, when we come together for worship, let's have a procession so that we get to see all the diversity of people who might have every reason to be divided from each other and they all come in. And then let's not pretend that there's not hostility and dividing walls. So let's have what's called confession. Remember we just did the prayer of confession? That's where we have raw honesty. Let's name the things we do that hurt others and that divide us from one another. Let's just call it what it is. And then let's ask God's forgiveness. And then we say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And then in the early church, what they said was, now, let's pass the peace. And that was not fellowship time. Now, fellowship time's okay. You give me a cup of coffee and a donut, I'll be glad to fellowship with you. But what passing in the peace means is, since we've been honest and been forgiven, now we can say, the peace of Christ be with you. And it means something. It's not my peace. It's not working everything out ahead of time. It's the peace that Jesus makes possible. And then, after they pass the peace, all these diverse people would come to the table. That's why Christians worship the way they do. It's reenacting the brokenness and reconciliation of the world every time we come together. And that's why you build tall sanctuaries and cathedrals to say to the whole community, come here, come here. That's why you ring bells to say, come together world. 
That's why we do what we do. That's what World Communion said. World Communion said it, it's interesting that uh, it started in 1933 at Shadyside Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when the pastor Hugh Kerr and that congregation decided, shouldn't we remind Christians all over the world of this particular passage and of what we have to offer when we remember the story and when we enact it in worship and come to the table, isn't that the message the world most needs? So I want to ask you a question. What a wonderful world. What a wonderful world it is when the church remembers the story, when the church reenacts the story and then has the peace of Christ to pass out into the world. What a wonderful world. Cheryl and I experienced something of that in the last uh, two weeks. We took this automobile trip to the Finger Lakes region of New York. Now that's fun. Traveling by automobile, you can stop when you want to. You can see what you want to see. It does take 2,600 miles. You do get ingrown shirt tail from doing that. And there may be times you get a little edgy with each other too, but that's a chance for reconciliation as well. And so uh, along the way, we had the, the trip all planned out, except there are a bunch of good things that happened that we didn't plan. And they relate to this very passage of Scripture. Because when we got to upstate New York and we're traveling around the Finger Lakes regions, we realized we're surrounded by a lot of Amish people, Amish Christians. And we bought Amish fruit and we went to Amish farmer's markets. Cheryl found an Amish grocery store. Had a good time in there. At the bakery especially, it was a religious experience. And then we went to church at a Methodist church one morning and then we got in the car to drive on the back roads and we didn't know we were off the main road. We didn't really know where we were. There were no other cars around. Well, of course not. We had wandered in to an Amish community. Guess why there were no other cars on the road? Guess who felt out of place in the Amish community? You'd have to ask, do we have any visitors here today? They'd be the ones in the car here driving around. <laughs> but the roads were full of black buggies being pulled by big horses the way the Amish travel. And they were coming from this direction and that direction. They were galloping along the road and we're dodging around here. And Cheryl's getting the camera out and the little Amish boys are running for cover when they see the camera. And then we saw their meeting house. And they were coming together for church. And we thought to ourselves, what a wonderful world. We don't know. We're not Amish. Or you can read about it, but I don't know the pros and cons of being Amish, the ups and downs. All I know is that because of this passage and what the church has understood for years, we were able to say, these are brothers and sisters. We, we interacted with many of them at these places where we met them and tried to communicate that, that we're on the same team together. And we value you very highly. Thanks be to God. What a wonderful world that God is at work in so many places among so many people. Then we got to Lake Junaluska, North Carolina Retreat Center for Methodists where our confirmation class is often gone, where bishops are elected. We checked in. Not much going on there except there was one group at Lake Junaluska. And we met them at breakfast. And I had never heard of this group. Is to tell us about yourself. Well, we're a, we're a Christian group and we try to adhere to the Old Testament as much as we can. We worship on the seventh day of the week on Saturday for the Sabbath. And also, we try to observe all the Hebrew religious festivals and we're here this weekend at Junaluska for the Festival of Tabernacles. Now, I hadn't been around any group of Christians celebrating tabernacles recently, so that was kind of different. We said, how many of y'all are here? They said, 600 and we thought to ourselves, 
What a wonderful world <laughs> that a group we've never even heard of is at a Methodist assembly ground. And when they found out we were Christians as well, conversation ensued. What a wonderful world. I, I, there's brokenness in the world, and there's inhumanity to one another, and there's polarization, and there's hurt, and there's pain. But it, you have eyes to see. It's a wonderful world when Christians come together. So then we're on the last leg, on the last journey home, and we get to Franklin, North Carolina, go in for lunch, great restaurant called Fat Southern Restaurant. That's pretty good. And um, so we, are, we, are, we order our meal, and Cheryl goes to the ladies' room, and to do that, she had to walk through the bar. And when she goes through the bar, she sees there are only two young guys in there, and all the TVs are on, and they're watching football, and Cheryl says, oh, you've got football in on here, you know, on TV. I'm going to go get my husband. We're going to move our food in here. We'll watch the game. And one, one of the young men, I think, must be single, he, he was pretty fascinated that she liked football. And I heard him say to Cheryl, do you have a sister? <laughs> and so we, we were sitting there now, and the other man who hadn't spoken yet found out we were Methodists and we talked about why we're on the journey and the story and all of that in the background. He said, y'all still in ministry? And we said, yes. And he looked at us and said, my wife and I are being baptized Sunday in the Pentecostal church. He said, I got saved last week. And then he told us his story. And we went away saying, what a wonderful world that has Methodists, but it's got Amish, and it's got another group I don't even know what to call, and it's got Pentecostals. And I said to him, be the best Pentecostal you can be. We need your group to remind us of the reality of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever forget that. What a wonderful world. When, when the church does what Paul says here, remember. When the church remembers the fundamental story that can't be told by any other group. And we tell it today as we come to the table. What a wonderful world. Thanks be to God.